Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com You can also find me at AlanWattSentientSentinel.eu It's the 29th of June, 2007 You know, I seldom go into town because I don't need much to begin with I really don't need even to mingle with with company at least the sort of company you'll find in most towns where everyone scurries around no different than the bigger cities really a little bit slower wherever there's a television culture people are pretty well standardized the world over back in the 60s they talked about this too the creation of a world culture then the 70s they had meetings about it between Britain and the US to find out who would design the culture and who would lead the field in promoting it the Council on Foreign Relations went over to their parent organisation the Royal Institute of International Affairs in London and that's where it was all debated with other Council on Foreign Relations members from other countries, non-Commonwealth countries, joining in. It was discussed as to what methods would be used to propagate the culture. Not that it was a mystery how to create culture, it was always understood. The BBC had known right off the bat when it was started up as a propagandic institution in World War I via the radio there was no need to relearn something as far as promoting propaganda all they had to do was to find out how to put it over quickly in a radio type and in a a television type format they found that fiction of course was the easiest way to grab people's attention especially if you gave them dramas and serial type dramas and left them with a cliffhanger where the hero was literally hanging on to life in some strange situation knowing the public would tune in at the same time the next day to hear how it turned out nothing new again in this type of format it had been used widely in ancient times on stage even in ancient Greece where travelling players came from the Middle East across the old world or the ancient world and you find that towns and cities were had to turn out to watch these dramas because they were authorised by kings and queens because it was a prop Generally, there was always a story involved to prop up the religion prevalent at the time, and also the king that was the head of the country. That's why they had to do these particular type dramas. Propaganda can be put across in many ways, and the best propaganda doesn't come across as blatant. The best type dresses itself in what you think is normalcy to be more precise it's what you think you accept as normalcy because most people don't really question where anything comes from if everyone else is doing it, wearing it or dancing to it they think it's just what is never dawns on them that nothing within the structural system simply appears by itself happenstance out of the blue a culture creation is part of standardization even during the toughest times when the church was the big stick 
controlling your mind, your thoughts, what you believed you, you knew, which was generally all that you did know, and that was from the Bible, or not even so much from the Bible, because before Protestantism came along, or Lutherism, there really was no alternative to the Catholic Church. There had been some organizations formed which tried to be, but they were wiped out pretty swiftly. With the aids, the aid of kings and queens and armies and knights and commanders. But before that, as I say, there was no opposition to what was taught and authorized to be taught by the church. It was fairly easy to keep a population ignorant with a ruling literary elite, at least a scribe faction, to give stories to the public. And much of what the people were taught wasn't even in the Bible. It was dogma that was inherited from an ancient Rome, from a pagan Rome, which although had stamped out or thought it had stamped out most of the paganism, it couldn't help but reabsorb it back in because there were so many elements in the paganism that people liked. It was uh, A lot of it was to do with the human psyche. It was almost indispensable to have brought back in to the church. Therefore, much dogma was taught and for for centuries the public were told all the stories from Adam to Eve onwards and that's all they knew about anything they'd never heard of the, the old philosophers that had existed thousands of years ago or the other cultures that had existed in ancient times they didn't know any of this their whole reality was revolved around the stories from priests and selective stories at that and often altered stories for centuries in fact the travelling players who were authorised and licensed to travel because uh, those who can alter your mindset must be licensed and authorised by the state all the way back to Plato's day Plato advocated that even singers and poets and musicians should be licensed because they wielded such such tremendous power and influence over the young. So in the Middle Ages, the travelling troops went from castle to castle or city-state to city-state with approval. And they put on religious dramas, the same types over and over and over which you think would get monotonous but when you only had some kind of entertainment coming in maybe twice a year or once a year it was it was something that people looked forward to because people like fairs and they, that's why they, the church made sure they always had specific holy days or holidays that's where it comes from The word holy itself still comes from the pagan roots, from the holly, the holly and the ivy, and the old grove, the ancient groves where worship was done. That's why you have Hollywood and the staff of Merlin is made of holly. The staff has always been a tradition in all ancient religions predating Christianity and still existing today. It's even evident in the great brass bands, the military bands of Europe that's led by the the man with the great big stick in the front with the symbol on top which he throws up in the air and spins. 
the great meetings in ancient times were begun with the wrapping of the staff on a log or a stone. This transformed into the the gavel of the judge as he starts and commences the court and closes the court with his decision. The gavel strikes the block. All ancient traditions coming down in a subliminated form through society and time, but understood by those who go up degrees. Therefore, you are what you think you know. What you think you know is bounced off others around you, and if they all agree with your thoughts and share the same thoughts and the same ideas and opinions, you judge yourself as being sane and normal. It's very simple to alter culture because culture is to grow. You grow something, you culture it. Like you'd culture bacterium or viruses in a petri dish. It's plastic. What is made right can be made wrong in a single generation. And if the proper sequences are understood and carried out and followed like formula, because that's all they are is formula, the, the people will react in the same way as they have in the past. Anything that's happened in ages gone past can be reintroduced, and many of it, much of it has been reintroduced. If you give something a different name, the fact or the act being the same is disguised by terminology alteration. An example of how the same situations can reoccur and be disguised. Something really which should be in the Control Freak's handbook, I'm sure it is, in many archives, is how to cow the people and terrify the people into obeyance. A technique which is used generally in times of war, which are again are strategies laid out by elites. War and far-reaching plans for alteration. And war is to change the cultures on all sides. You always found the kings and queens of ancient countries would then marry after the war. I'm sure the marriages were arranged before the wars were even begun. Whole countries fought to save their supposed ways of life, only to be given away, given away, a country given away in marriage. And that was a normal thing at that time, not too long ago. But it shows you the insanity of the mass-minded person to go along with it all and learn nothing. We know they learn nothing because generally every 18 years to 20 years the same thing could be repeated and they go off and fight again when they were told to and then watch their kings and queens marry each other all over again and this nonsense happened down through time in World War One, one of the bloodiest wars each one getting bloodier than the last thanks to science and democracy because democracy allows taxation on a massive scale which creates standing armies and keeps them supplied and paid World War I had Germany and Britain and France and all the rest of these countries and you find the royalty on all sides were related first cousins the posters for the Kaiser in Germany 
were identical to the poster for the King of England, except for the hats. The faces and features were identical. That's when the name of Saxe-Coburg-Gotha in England was changed to Windsor, a name they pulled out the hat from a, a king of England much, much, many centuries earlier. But terror is a tremendous instrument to cow the people as you're creating great changes. In World War II, and prior to World War II, really since the industrial age, the end of the industrial age, when the machine and the mass man, the mass factories, mass became the word for everything, mass production, and mass armies, it all became the rage. Every great old country of Europe armed themselves to the teeth and just itched to get wars going because wars are very profitable for the bankers and the investors and those who supply massive armies with everything they wear, carry and use. It's a great way for disposable income, for debt creation. Every bullet, every shell fired has to be replaced. And it's replaced when kings or prime ministers or presidents go to the bankers and borrow and the debt is passed on to the next generation. Long-term strategies of enslavement which were known in ancient, ancient times and discussed massively during the 1700s during the periods of upcoming revolutions well discussed it's not discussed at all today debt is taken national and individually as a matter or of normalcy as though it were natural like gravity yet the fearsome sight of the mass armies from World War I and then followed through to World War Two, and the creation of special combat teams and regiments with their military outfits and their boots and then the special, special ones with the black outfits to terrorise the public because black being the colour traditionally used for the executioner and death is now worn across the western hemisphere by police that used to be blue for the blue lodge now they are the executioners because they are no longer the servants, they are enforcers today coming back from the little town they used to call it a city but it's a bit of a boast of Sudbury a town that really is still a mining town although most of the ore today is shipped to China is its biggest export and at one time was owned by the Rothschilds because the biggest building there in the 1800s was Rothschild Square they called it massive building wherever there was any kind of mineral that was known to be needed for the time or the future coming up oddly enough the Rothschilds had it all across Canada and the US and I'm sure the world Everything had already been tested and explored long ago. But coming back from Sudbury, sure enough, it's a it's a long weekend because Canada Day is coming up. For about ten or fifteen years now, gradually, very gradually, the public have been trained. They're being stopped on the highway was to become a natural phenomena for your own good and safety it began initially with 
Mothers Against Drunk Drivers, another not-for-profit, non-governmental organization heavily funded by the big foundations, and the woman who started it up in Ontario, an excuse really to get this ball rolling to get the public used to being stopped until they don't complain anymore. The woman who started it up was given a promotion at the end, this head of the non-governmental branch for Ontario, and put on the board of the liquor licensing, the government organization that runs the booze. Nice seat, nice job if you can get it. Of course, they'd never say it was a payoff. And since then, we've had encroaching powers put upon the people, and they now have regular blitzes, a term the black, in fact, the the black-clad characters with their combat boots, this is policemen with combat boots, guys who've been reared with G.I. Joe and Rambo and video games. They now become the cartoons. But the dangerous and scary thing is they can't tell the difference because they've never really grown up. And here they are wearing all this uh, this outfit. Outfits that people would run from in World War II because only special units of the German army, the Gestapo, or the SS wore them. Now it's prevalent all over Europe and that's no coincidence. The same outfit, the little cap, everything's black, including and then the boots are, are tucked in to the pants or the pants are tucked into the boots as if they're ready to go to war and they call it a blitz, borrowed from the blitzkriegs of Germany, World War Two. The very term is borrowed So they're making war upon the drivers. Now we've watched governments have wars upon poverty and poverty increased. Wars on drugs and drugs increased. Wars on everything, now it's war on drivers and war on smokers and now it's to be war on obese people according to the United Nations where all these wars seem to originate from. As we're all trained in this massive global sheep pen, trained not to bleat too much, as we're bled a lot. We watch as even driving into Sudbury, a little mining place really, the big signs across the road, the electronic signs, flash all these sayings to you, telling you what to do and slow down and don't drink and on and on it goes. We got used to the, the face being stuck through our windows and someone asking us to to breathe in their face or if they didn't tell you that they pretended that they were just short sighted perhaps had to get very close to you an intimidating thing you see and it's intentional because when people invade your space you get edgy it's an animalistic natural response not to or to sort of push them away so you know you can't push this fellow away so you're being intimidated by a bully that's why it's good when you're having holiday weekends to eat lots of garlic lots and lots of garlic before you go out on the road and you'll find that these particular stops will be a breeze the public don't react now they're used to being stopped with the blitzes and come Tuesday we'll have the PR yes even the police have PR spokespeople trained in public relations to double speak to the public as they will give us a few jokes on 
some made-up things concerning drivers that they supposedly stopped with ridiculous stories which are like jokes to make us laugh as they tell us how many tickets they handed out, how many cars they pulled off the road, and how much money they pulled in for the government and themselves. Because, you see, all these organizations and these businesses and law as a business are not only in the business of being paid by the taxpayer, they're all there to bring in more money, a form of profit. You see, there's no overtime pay, no overtime, no crime. And that's lots of money being made in these weekends as they pull in all the different people and the part-timers for their blitzes on the roads. Now, sure enough, you'll always have the crazy ones who will speed and crash and life is a gamble. We live amongst crazy people. However, to intimidate millions for every crazy person out there is not an act of safety. It's an act of subjugating everyone else and punishing everyone else for the crimes of a few. The training of the masses along the lines of the collectivist policies was decided a long time ago when they decided it was far easier to use collectivism the Soviet style not just to manage but to and not just to control but to create an obedient obedient population not a free population an obedient population when the religions which were bad enough at times in history were gradually phased out the scientific one took over And it was decided to use psychology and traits of zoology and techniques of zoology and anthropology to be used on the people. In other words, you're a higher animal, but still an animal. You'll be treated like one and trained like one. And if you obey, you won't be given the rod you'll be spared the rod perhaps collectivism is the easiest way with mass psychology being used and instilled and trained scientifically since the 1920s on and now it's into the technotronic era coupled with other techniques to dumb us down physically as well as mentally you do see the effects all around you the war on obesity that's coming up now is used as an excuse of people losing control of themselves you're obese because you lose control they say however the same they who are pushing all of that know darn well at the top levels the culture that was created to make people obese never mind the alteration through the inoculations they also altered the food they give a lifestyle where both parents are working and food if it's eaten at all at home comes out of cans or packages but mainly now it's ordered in fast foods that is the culture that was created and now they blame the people for eating the food at the trough that's been dished out to them we do see the effects all around us never mind the psychological effects because people stuffed 
into small crowded areas will have aberrant behavior. The aberrancies generally turn inward, hence all the eating and all the different addictions that people go into. But the authorities would prefer that than aggression. Yet now, just like breaking the legs of the cattle, you kick the cattle because the cattle can't get up. The same people who took all the nutrients out of the food and advertised to the hilt for you to buy that food are blaming the public for eating it. Now, with all this terrorism business, and it is a business, huge multi-billion dollar business, which everyone who makes the weapons of war and the war mentality is involved in with high technology and toys and gadgets and listening devices and cameras and snooping devices. This brave new world a cleverly camouflaged totalitarianism under different words but as I say if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck regardless of the age you can be assured it is a duck ancient tyrants used terrorism or the threat of terrorism to do exactly what is being done today Everyone in a culture wants to be good. Good being, following the rules, are given at that time from the elite down. Being good is a form of indoctrination par excellence. Because being good, eventually always, in all ages, ends up as to turn on your neighbor turn on anyone who looks suspicious turn on anyone you don't like turn them in if their hair is long, short if they're tall tiny thin, fat whatever your main problem is in yourself project it on someone else and turn them in and the good citizen who's been instilled with all the right things to obey and who wants brownie stamps or little gold stars from the teacher they will unhesitatingly tend to do when everyone becomes a policeman and everyone else we are in trouble Suspicion breeds suspicion and ultimately paranoia. Paranoia is psychotic. And people who are psychotically paranoid do incredibly, incredibly terrible things, be it from the top or being it from the bottom it spreads like welfare we've seen it in the crazies of the past when inquisitions went round towns and villages and everyone panicked and turned everyone else in and watched the people and their friends and neighbours being burned alive now we just watch them being whisked off to some camp in some other country where they're tortured centuries later the same thing tortured by the same psychopathic recruits which we find in all ages now male and female and we call this 
furthering democracy and bringing freedom to the world. A technique that's guaranteed to destroy what was left of society and the bonds of trust that's necessary for society to healthily maintain itself. I'm going to read a quote here from Carl Jung, a book I've mentioned a few times called The Undiscovered Self, because it was the first time, at least to the general population, someone who understood these techniques was allowed to write them down and sell the books to the public. He understood the projection of guilt or anger within yourself that you can put on other people and point the finger, a technique that is childish. You'll find many adults using it today in this day and age. This is what he says about the reasons that governments use. One of the many reasons the governments use for creating a police state on page 54 of this book he says fear that anarchic tendencies will thereby be let loose is a possibility that is greatly exaggerated seeing that obvious safeguards exist within and without above all there is the natural cowardice of most men to be reckoned with not to mention morality good taste and Last but not least, the penal code. This fear is nothing compared with the enormous effort it usually costs people to help the first stirrings of individuality into consciousness, let alone put them into effect. And where these individual impulses have broken through too impetuously and unthinkingly, the doctor must protect them from the patient's own clumsy recourse to short-sightedness, ruthlessness and cynicism. As the dialectical discussion proceeds, a point is reached where an evaluation of these individual impulses becomes necessary. By that time, the patient should have acquired enough certainty of judgment to enable him to act on his own insight and decision, and not from the mere wish to copy convention, even if he happens to agree with collective opinion. Unless he stands firmly on his own feet, the so-called objective values profit him nothing, since they then only serve as a substitute for character and so help to suppress his individuality. Naturally, society has an indisputable right to protect itself against arrant subjectivisms, but insofar as society itself is composed of de-individualized persons. See, this is the truth. A society itself is collect is composed of de-individualized persons. It is completely at the mercy of ruthless individualists. So here's your dialectic, you see. Let it band together into groups and organizations as much as it likes. It is just as banding together and the resultant extinction of the individual personality that makes it succumb so readily to a dictator. So when you think you're fighting something and you're fighting for individual rights and you begin to join all these groups, you'll find quickly the the group mind takes over, the group mentality takes over because it forms dogmas and rules right away. You lose your individual ability to reason and think. And then, when these rules become concretized in your mind, the man who comes along, or the woman who comes along, and has the loudest voice, and can put it over with the most drama and persuasiveness, becomes your dictator. This is the same for the mob, for millions of people, for a nation, or for a world state. 
from those who think they're rebelling to those who pretend that they're keeping charge of what is. It's the same thing which happens. We have a multitude of organizations all working under the United Nations and a multitude more which belong as non-governmental organizations to the United Nations and they're ripe for a world dictator never mind the people at the bottom they are too disorganized with all of the groups and their infighting to band together for anything So he says here is this banding together and the resultant extinction of the individual personality that makes it succumb so readily to a dictator. A million zeros joined together do not, unfortunately, add up to one. Ultimately, everything depends on the quality of the individual, but the fatally short-sighted habit of our age is to think only in terms of large numbers and mass organizations the one would think that the world had seen more than enough of what a well-disciplined mob can do in the hands of a single madman unfortunately this realization does not seem to have penetrated very far and our blindness in this respect is extremely dangerous people go on blithely organizing and believing in the sovereign remedy of mass action without the least consciousness of the fact that the most powerful organizations can be maintained only by the greatest ruthlessness of their leaders and the cheapest of slogans. Now, it doesn't matter if it's something that's opposing or something that's pretending to keep a hold off and preserve we're healing, hearing all of that today, but we're hearing it mainly from those who are pretending to preserve it at the tops of governments. And that's terribly frightening. We're hearing propaganda blared every day across the planet with the cheapest of slogans, with old, old slogans too, which have worked and many tongues down through the ages. To continue on page 56, for those who still believe that they're good and they obey the rules, they'll somehow be saved through religion. Curiously enough, the churches too want to avail themselves of mass action in order to cast out the devil with Beelzebub. The very churches whose care is the salvation of the individual soul. They too do not appear to have heard anything of the elementary axiom of mass psychology, that the individual becomes morally and spiritually inferior in the mass, and for this reason they do not burden themselves overmuch with the real task of helping the individual to achieve a metanoia, or rebirth of the spirit. Dio Concedente. It is unfortunately only too clear that if the individual is not truly regenerated in spirit, society cannot be either, for society is the sum total of individuals in need of redemption. I can therefore see it only as a delusion when the churches try, as they apparently do, to rope the individual into a social organization and reduce him to a condition of diminished responsibility instead of raising him out of the torpid, mindless mass and making clear to him that he is the one most important factor and that the salvation of the world consists in the salvation of the individual soul. It is true that mass meetings parade such ideas before him and seek to impress them on him by dint of mass suggestion with the unedifying result that when the intoxication has worn off, the mass man promptly succumbs to another even more obvious and still louder slogan. His individual relation to God would be an effective shield against these pernicious influences that Christ ever call his disciples to him 
at a mass meeting. Did the feeding of five thousand bring him any followers who did not afterwards cry, Crucify him, with the rest, when even the rock named Peter showed signs of wavering? And are not Jesus and Paul prototypes of those who, trusting their inner experience, have gone their own individual ways, disregarding public opinion? This argument should certainly not cause us to overlook the reality of the situation confronting the church. When the church tries to give shape to the amorphous mass by uniting individuals into a community of believers with the help of suggestion and tries to hold such an organization together, it is not only performing a great social service, but it also secures for the individual the inestimable boon of a meaningful life form. These, however, are gifts which as a rule confirm certain tendencies and do not change them. As experience unfortunately shows, the inner man remains unchanged however much community he has. His environment cannot give him as a gift that which he can win for himself only with effort and suffering. On the contrary, a favorable environment merely strengthens a dangerous tendency to expect everything to originate from outside. On page 59 he says, Where the many are, there is security. He's talking about how mass movements think. Where the many are, there is security. What the many believe must of course be true. What the many want must be worth striving for, and necessary, and therefore good. In the clamor of the many there lies the power to snatch wish fulfillments by force. Sweetest of all, however, is that gentle and painless slipping back into the kingdom of childhood, into the paradise of parental care, into happy-go-luckiness and irresponsibility. All the thinking and looking after are done from the top. To all questions there is an answer, and for all needs the necessary provision is made. The infantile dream state of the mass man is so unrealistic that he never thinks to ask who is paying for this paradise. The balancing of accounts is left to a higher political or social authority, which welcomes the task, for its power is thereby increased, and the more power it has, the weaker and more helpless the individual becomes. Wherever social conditions of this type develop on a large scale, the road to tyranny lies open and the freedom of the individual turns into spiritual and physical slavery. Since every tyranny is ipso facto immoral and ruthless, it has much more freedom in the choice of its methods than an institution which still takes account of the individual. Should such an institution come into conflict with the organized state, it is soon made aware of the very real disadvantage of its morality, and therefore feels compelled to avail itself of the same methods as its opponent. In this way, the evil spreads almost of necessity, even when direct infection might be avoided. The danger of infection is greater where decisive importance is attached to large numbers and statistical values, as is everywhere the case in our Western world. The suffocating power of the masses is paraded before our eyes in one form or another every day in the newspapers, and the insignificance of the individual is rubbed into him so thoroughly that he loses all hope of making himself heard. The the outworn ideals of liberty Egality, fraternity, help him not at all, as he can direct this appeal only to his executioners, the spokesmen of the masses. Resistance to the organized mass can be effected only by the man who is as well organized as in his individuality as the Mass itself.
I would add to that, not only well organized in your individuality, but you're comfortable with your individuality. Most people lose it because they're not comfortable being an individual. It becomes a burden to them. They want acceptance. Well, it's thundering lightning outside now. And the weather has broken a little, which is not bad because it was really building up to be really hot and sticky and humid. Although this rain is loved by the mosquitoes who cheer when it rains. They cheer. They keep singing, we're winning, we're winning, we're winning. And they'll start croaking when it's too much sun and they drop out the air and then I... I shout back at them, you're losing, you're losing, you're losing. That's the only way you can get your own back. I've given enough blood to them this year. It's also no coincidence, by the way, that if you look at the holidays between countries like Canada and the U.S., how close together they are because they're all based on old solstices and special holy days and magic days which those at the top at the very top I don't mean the guys you vote in those at the top know the societies the secret societies and the big foundations run by members of these secret societies now I keep telling people not to put their faith in the lone hero who's going to come out of Hollywood and save everyone. Each person is their own champion. And your first battle is with yourself. To be an individual... will take some sacrifice to be an individual will not win friends from the the bulk of the populace to be an individual you might be very lonely can you stand loneliness what's the other side of it See, a person who really should be an individual and knows it themselves will often marry and do all the things and live miserably ever after. To try and conform and to have those things he wants or she wants to have. And yes, he will be accepted and yes, there will be a face put on in public, but inside they're depressed that's why true individuality is not for everyone that's why there's always been the mass studies down through the ages have shown that the masses enjoy being the masses witch hunts don't have to be done by churches because the mass can turn on anyone they don't like this happened down through history it's still happening today the mass wants to be one the same as the elite want them to be one. The purpose of life is not to lose yourself, is to find yourself, regardless of public opinion.
because life must be meaningful to you. So this is Happy Canada Weekend for Canada Day coming up. Eat lots of garlic. Don't speed. And next Wednesday, I believe it's it's the the U.S.'s turn for their July break, the big one. Same thing there. So close as well as merging already. If you notice, you see the they're merging everything. The money is becoming standardized, both sides of the borders. And the holidays are pretty well so close. They're good enough. They can they can make a United America's Day if they want to. It's quite interesting. I've told people before, go along the borders and look at all the the stones put up, the obelisks across the border, both sides, to mark the border because there's a Masonic agreement between the big boys to begin with as they create countries and use them for a few hundred years to oppose each other and tax the people and create armies and further the agenda then take down the borders again the order of the bees that's what a border is border, bee order big obelisks across the border you'll find too that the final arbitration regarding where exactly the border should be was decided with our Rothschild who was sent over from England eventually and the final analysis to create the border to draw the line it's quite amazing when you think about it. they draw lines through worlds and countries and tell you who you, you then are and then we who are brought up and conditioned are trying to preserve what we thought we had we never had it in the first place the ancestors of the present cruise uh, world gave us the borders It's quite amazing. The Romans loved to build walls across countries like Scotland to keep the hairy highlandmen from from attacking them. From coast to coast, the big building projects of the Masons, they love building projects ongoing like Highway 69 and NAFTA. Same techniques, same con, same ancient religion at the top. And for those who can catch on to it, do your homework, study, and don't be afraid to be different. On this thundery day, from Hamish the dog and myself, it's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you. When you Storm. Hold your head up high and don't be afraid of the dark. At the end of a storm, there's a gold. Sweet